Welcome to my own little soapbox, where Andrea Bean Gibson stands up for wives and mothers, daughters and sisters that don't have a platform to discuss what really matters. Join Andrea and her father-in-law, Dr. Brant Gibson, as they discuss things you've wondered about and even some you may never have thought of. Now, on My Own Little Soapbox. Hello, this is Dr. Brant Gibson. I'm so excited to be here with Adria. And Adria, you're in a little <laughs> bit different situation this time. Yes. So everyone listening gets the treat of having me cooking dinner while we're doing the podcast. So it's it's very special. You guys get to listen to me make my mother's homemade enchiladas. They are the best. So she'll be working up and talking at the same time. I will just be talking because I'm not as good at doing two things at once. So, <laughs> And I've done this sort of thing before, so I know it will work. I might get distracted, but it happens. That happens sometimes anyway. Whoa. So. <laughs> So if you if you hear dishes, hear stuff going on in the background, that's what you're listening for. If you hear a little boy in the background, you know who that is. So, yep, <laughs> he's playing with his daddy in the other room. So, okay, so Andrea, what are we talking about today? Because it's cooking again. Yeah. So today we're going to do a like a sort of part two from last time, or a or a or a companion piece. Um, so last time we talked about doughs. We talked about pastry doughs. Uh, pies and and uh, how to shoe for cream puffs and eclairs. Today we're going to talk about what goes in those doughs. So we're yeah. talking about custards. Custards, right? So before we go into that, I'm going to give people a heads up so that they can actually pass this on. What we're doing because we were doing for anybody that listened to the water episode, we're still doing that. Where we're actually giving money to to Tanzania, I believe, if it is for yeah. for water. Uh, what we're going to do for this week and last week, everybody that listens to these, we will be giving food. So I haven't figured out exactly Yay. who it's going to go to yet, but that's what we're going to do. So Awesome. I didn't know about that before, so I'm really excited. Um, yeah, so that's great. So make your friends listen and make your friends' friends listen and make people you don't like listen too because they like cool stuff probably. Yep, <laughs> let's, let's make it happen. Okay, so... Custards. So tell us Custard. a little bit about custards. Okay, or, so I, I wanted. I, want, huh? I was gonna say actually, why you you wanted to give us a why you are talking about this, right? Yeah, a little bit about why. Um, so this episode's actually inspired by a season of Worst Cooks of America that I was just watching, um, and Alton Brown was one of the um, coaches on the season, and you know, Amberell's always the other one. So it was Ambrell and Alton Brown, and they were doing a dessert episode. And on this dessert episode, they were teaching their recruits how to make pastry cream. And one of the recruits just couldn't do it to save his life. It was either too thick or he kept breaking it or it was too thin or it would overcook. Um, and pastry cream's not that hard. I mean, like you have to watch it. Like there's some there's some tricky bits to it. But once you get it down, it's like it's really 
it's really easy to replicate the results. So today we're gonna to talk about ways to avoid um, being like that recruit and messing up your pastry cream every single time. Because I don't want my, my lovely listeners to fall into that uh, sequence of events. You don't want so to be one of the worst cooks about. of America, right? Yeah, so we're <laughs> gonna do that and um, gonna talk about a proper pastry cream as well as a proper creme anglaise because they, these are both custards, but both are very similar to one another. The process is very similar. So we're gonna talk about those. Okay, so pastry creams, what would be what would be the purpose of a pastry cream? So pastry cream, it's a custard, right? Like we talked about, sort of, that you would find inside of a cream puff or an eclair. Um, it's what's in cream-filled donuts. When it's not whipped cream, it's pastry cream. Um, it's, yeah, and it's also the base for most cream pies. So if you have a chocolate cream pie, what you're getting is pastry cream that has been flavored chocolate um, and put into the pie shell and allowed to set. Um, so that's what pastry cream is for. You know, if you if you add bananas and some vanilla, then you've got a banana cream pie filling. And right. yeah, so on and so forth. If you put it in one of the shells we talked about, talked about last time, then you've got a really yummy pie. So this will be sort of, you know, the buddy piece to last week when we talked about pie shells and eclairs and cream puffs. So um, and it, as you remember yeah. from last time, in our cream puffs, we used to put pudding. And that's yeah. also that's also a lot of times what my mother would do in her cream pies is she would use puddings yep. because she liked, yeah. she liked it better. That's yeah. what my mom would do too, is we'd get just like an instant pudding mix and put it in a pie shell and that would be our pie. It, pastry cream is very similar to pudding. So that substitution is perfectly like logical and I stand by it. Pastry cream gets a little firmer, correct? Yes, it does. So it'll be, it'll set up a little bit more, but the pudding should taste just as good. Okay. But if you want to be fancy, this is how. If you want to do it right, the correct way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's jump right in. Okay, so like I said, pastry cream is sort of a custard, right? Right. Since we're talking about what it is exactly. Um, now, in the baking world, a custard is anything that you thicken with egg yolks. Mm. Um, so pastry cream, you kind of thicken with egg yolks, but it's also got some cornstarch in there. So you've got your cornstarch that's acting as a thickener and your egg yolks. And that's what makes it sort of a custard. <laughs> um, I learned, though the secret of a perfect pastry cream in Chef Megan's class. And she has taken out the cornstarch. Now she has part of the sugar. I'm going to use the stove now, so I'm just going to push that over here. Um, she whisks part of the sugar in with the cornstarch before adding it to the eggs and cream and everything. So. We're going to talk about the process a little bit of how to make a good pastry cream. Um, so first, basically, you're heating up milk and cream. Um, that's the very, very first step. And then you're going to heat it till it's like 
It's almost bubbling. That's what we call scalding the milk. And you're adding in two thirds of your sugar. Now on the other hand, you're going to want to have ready your egg yolks already whisked together. And you're gonna whisk um, a third of the sugar in with your cornstarch, which is why you, no, the reason why you're doing that is because you don't want your cornstarch to turn into lumps when you're whisking it into the hot things. So you've got your milk scalded, you've got two thirds of the sugar dissolved in there, and then you've got your egg yolks whisked, you've got your sugar and your cornstarch whisked together. Once that's all done, you whisk the sugar and the cornstarch into the egg yolks, and then you're just gonna temper the hot liquid into the egg yolks. Um, and then you pour everything back onto the stove and you're gonna whisk and cook that mixture together until the cornstarch taste is gone. And then once that cornstarch taste is gone, you very quickly get that into a, uh, you, you push it through a fine mesh strainer if it's lumpy, and then you get it into an ice bath. Once it's in the ice bath, you add your butter and your vanilla. So I don't have exact measurements for that, but if you find a recipe online that you like for a pastry cream, just remember to do it that way, regardless of what the recipe says. <laughs> okay, so um, so we're, we're gonna yeah. take a step back and make sure they actually caught all those steps. Cause you, right. you went through them pretty quickly, so. I did, I did that you, on purpose, but yeah. Yeah, correct. You you have what so you have one area one part that you're actually cooking which is you said is the scalded milk right and and cream and cream and then you mm -hmm. add two thirds of the sugar to that so that's one yes. one part there and the other part is your secret that you're actually telling them right. is you got the egg yolks. And you're whisking in, so the egg yolks are all prepared, and then you're whisking in the cornstarch. But to make it so it doesn't get lumpy, you add the sugar, the one third of the sugar and the cornstarch together into right. the egg yolks. Yes, um, and that will help you to keep it from getting lumpy. Um, I do want to talk about, and that's that's the secret here. So don't forget, whisk Correct. the sugar and well, a third of the sugar and the egg yolks together. Um, but let's talk about a couple of the terms I used because I went, I, like you said, I went pretty quickly. Um, so I just want to make sure that everybody's familiar with the terms. Because um, I was not, so. No. <laughs> so um, first, we want to talk about tempering. Now, tempering is so, so important for both of these recipes that we're going to be discussing today. Um, tempering basically ensures that your egg yolks cook really slowly so that they don't turn into scrambled eggs. Because that is nasty and you don't want to eat that. Right. So, basically, to temper, you're going to simply just ladle small amounts of the hot liquid. So, the in this case, the milk and the cream and sugar that's been uh, whisked together and scalded into the egg yolk. 
and you have to whisk the egg yolk while you're ladling. And so you just do that very slowly and it slowly brings up the temperature of your eggs um, so that they don't cook too quickly. And then once, once it's up, once the temperature's up, you can add all of that back into the main pot and it shouldn't scramble. The other thing is while you're cooking like the whole thing back together, you wanna stir that slowly, but you don't wanna really whisk it or scrape the bottom of the pan. Because if you're scraping the bottom of the pan, there's stuff that's cooking onto the bottom that's cooking faster than the stuff on top. If you scrape that off, it's gonna be lumpy. So you're gonna have a messy pan when you're done with this, and that's on purpose. Because um, if you if you do it too quickly, it's or if you scrape it too much, it's gonna be just a lumpy mess. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I do not have a fine mesh strainer in my house. I have you know, like a potato strainer, but that's not gonna work for this. So I try to avoid at all costs making my pastry cream lumpy when I'm at home. Um, so, so one, we talked about one, tempering. Oh yeah. So one of the things you can do to strain is, there are some other fine mesh strainers you can use, right? Like nylon or something like that. Have you ever tried nylon? <laughs> I mean, you can, that's a little bit nasty, but you can. Well, they have to be, they'd have to be clean. They'd have to be completely, yeah. <laughs> it'd be different than just saying, I'm not pulling them out of the drawer and using them. But that yeah. is one of the things I've seen them use on these shows when they're saying, oh, you don't have a strainer, here's an option. But like I said, you want it to be clean, yeah. not just clean, clean, but clean enough that you could eat off of it type yeah. of situation. But there yeah. are things you could do if you're saying, I really want, I really do need a strain. What am I, what are my options? There's other things. There's different types of cloths, nylon, some of those kind of things that are, are really uh, tighter weave, but not so tight that, you, that nothing goes through them that would allow you exactly. to strain as well. So yeah, that's true. That is a good point. So it's possible. It's better to not need it. Yes. So. Um, that's true. So that's a good point. So yeah, if you do absolutely need a straining mechanism, you can probably find one. Um, but let's talk about some of the other things that I mentioned. So I talked about putting them in an ice bath. Now that may seem pretty straightforward to some people, but I just want to go over it really quickly to make sure that everybody knows what I'm talking about, you know? Um, so an ice bath, you've got a bowl of icy water that you're working with and another bowl that's sitting in that icy water, preferably metal, so it'll conduct the heat a little bit better for the cold, will conduct the cold a little bit better. Um, and once your, your pastry cream is cooked all the way, it's gotta stop cooking because if it's, if you, if it doesn't, it's gonna overcook and you're gonna get your scrambled eggs like you don't want. Um, and the taste of overcooked Pastry cream or overcooked creme glaze is nasty. It just tastes like eggs. So you want to get that out and you want to stop it cooking as fast as you can. The best way to do that is to do is to put your hot mixture into the second bowl in your ice bath. So get it in that ice bath fast. At least, at the very least, if you don't have an ice bath handy, get it out of the pan. Um, because you don't want you don't want it overcooked. And getting it out of that pan will stop the cooking faster than leaving it in the pan. If you're straining it, you want to use that fine mesh strainer or that pair of nylon, pair of nylons, and put it directly into the bowl um, that you're that's waiting for your ice bath. 
So that's how you do that. And then in the ice that's bath you, is where they add the water and the or the butter and the vanilla. So just as right. a reminder. So yes, and if you don't do it in that step, the vanilla flavor is going to kind of evaporate out a little bit more. So that's why you do it then. Right. I don't know why. You, oh, you add the butter then probably so it doesn't overcome. We'll be right back with my own little soapbox after this brief message. Have you ever wanted to get more done in less than half the time? What if you could finish your projects five times faster? Hello, my name is Dr. Brent Gibson, and I have often wished I had more hours in the day. As a physician with 11 children, my life is really busy. I am constantly looking for a way to squeeze more into each day. Can you imagine what it would be like if I had 25, 26, or even 27 hours? That is why I started a journey and have read hundreds of self-help and self-improvement books. I have paid thousands for business coaches and even life coaches while also spending hours taking courses and learning everything I could. I found many helpful options, but I have always had one nagging problem. I could still get distracted, discouraged, and even procrastinate something I wanted or needed to get done. After years of searching, I found a powerful solution that has given me the ability to accomplish five times more in that same 24-hour period. So everyone else has 24 hours, but by doing these simple tasks, these simple processes, I was able to grab additional hours in the day without getting those hours. And this is a revolutionary book. It is important to me that you get your day back, that you get more time. So I have purchased a copy of this book for you and all that you have to pay is shipping and handling. In this book, Unhackable by Carrie Oberbrunner, you are given the steps to close the gap between dreaming and doing in just 30 days. 30 daily missions to give you back control of your life and give you more time. It continues to work for me and I want to give it to you so that you can start reaching your goals, living your dream, and enjoying the extraordinary life you were born to live. So go ahead, visit www.beunhackable.com books and get your free book in the mail. That's www.beunhackable.com books. Isn't it time to become unhackable so you can accomplish more in a fraction of the time? www.beunhackable.com slash books. Get yours today. You're listening to my own little soapbox. Yes. And then at that point, well, depending on what recipe you're making, the recipe that I made for chocolate pie, chocolate cream pie, um, we actually added the chocolate in with the milk and the sugar. And it was, it, I think it was unsweetened chocolate that we added. Um, so it was already chocolate flavored, but you're doing a different sort of thing, like a, like a banana cream or something that you might need a flavor afterwards, then that's when you would add the flavors. But other, otherwise, you'll want to add it during the first step, during the scalding of the milk and the cream, so it incorporates correctly. So, but let's talk creme glaze now. Hey, Brent, do you know what creme glaze is without looking at my notes? Do I know what it is? No. Yeah, neither Actually. did I before I went to cooking school. So I just was wondering if it was common knowledge and I didn't know, but nope, it's not. So 
Well, not me, me not knowing doesn't mean it's not common knowledge. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. It, it's common knowledge in the cooking world, but correct. It, I don't know if it is outside of that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't know one custard from another custard, probably. So that's the difference. But yes, I mean, you would know a creme um, creme brulee probably from a pastry cream. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'm on a tangent now. Let's talk about what you can use creme anglaise for. That was my that was my point in asking that question. Right. So creme anglaise, like pastry cream, is a custard, but it doesn't have that thickener, that cornstarch thickener. So what you're looking at is just egg yolks as the thickener. So it's a little bit trickier actually than the pastry cream, but the method is very similar. What you would use it for, it can be used as the liquid that you dip French toast into before you cook it, which I did not know, but that's kind of cool. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I always just like whisk up some eggs and then add milk and like some sugar and vanilla and cinnamon and nutmeg to it. And then that's, that's my French toast batter. Right. But, I thought that's all that, all that there needed to be, but that. Right. But no, but you can use creme anglaise before you cook it. And I've, I've done it at school. It's really yummy. Um, so it turns out really good if you use the creme anglaise. Um, it's also though, it's just a very versatile salt sauce, right? So when you think of custard, you think of kind of that, like, I don't know, thick sort of gooey texture, but this is a sauce. This is like purely sauce. Um, but yeah, it's very versatile. You can use it as the base, base for French toast or the base for ice cream, which that's also really yummy. We did that at school too. Um, and it's also just like a yummy, mild flavored sauce that you can put with any dessert, really. Um, I wouldn't put it on top of ice cream because it is ice cream. <laughs> right, because the yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I've even, I've even after I cooked French toast, like just the normal way that I described, I dipped my French toast in that and it was really good. Um, so there, yeah, there are a lot of things you can do with creme anglaise is my point. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a true custard like we talked about. So we're not gonna be talking about cornstarch, um, but our method here is, like I said, it's very similar. Um, so in order to do a creme anglaise. You start with milk and cream heated in a pan, just like before, and then you you scald that milk, add that sugar, and you but you add all the sugar this time. Right. You dissolve it in. You've got your egg yolks ready, like you did in the in the pastry cream, and then once you temper in those egg yolks or temper the temper the hot into the egg yolks, and then the egg yolks back into the hot, you add, or you, sorry, you cook it. Um, you cook it over that heat, just like you did with the pastry cream, but your your doneness is gonna be tested a different way, because you don't have cornstarch in this one, so you're not looking for a cornstarchy taste to go away. So we've gotta get it to a stage that we call nappe, and that just means in French covers the back of a spoon. 
um, it's going to be a thick layer covering the back of your spoon. And just like the pastry cream, you don't want to scrape the bottom while you're cooking it because you'll get those lumps and it'll be yucky. Um, and you don't want to overcook it because, again, you'll get scrambled eggs. That's gross. <laughs> so um, once you get everything cooked to the proper thickness, just the same as the pastry cream, you're going to shove that into an ice bath or through a strainer if it's a little bit lumpy um, and add in your just vanilla. There's no, I don't think there's butter in this one. There might be. Someone call me on it if I'm wrong, but I believe that there's not butter in this one. So you add your vanilla and it's in the ice bath and then you just let it cool. And it should be very smooth. It shouldn't be thick like a pudding. It's, it's, it's a sauce. So we want it just very smooth and delicious. Let's talk about what can go wrong though. Because <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? You know, lots of things actually. So overcooking, like we've been talking about is the major threat here. Um, you just want to make sure that you get it out of the pan once it's cooked. Out of the pan, it will it'll go so fast. It'll be done and overcooked faster than you can stop your fingers. So you're just gonna get that done as quick as you can. Um, if you overcook either of these custards, they will taste like scrambled eggs. Even if they don't look like scrambled eggs, they're gonna have that flavor. So you don't wanna do it. It's not, it's not the flavor you want. Like pick your dessert and then put scrambled eggs on top of it. Ew, right? Yeah, we don't want that. Um, so if you temper very slowly, that's the other way you, so don't overcook it in the first place, but also temper it very slowly so that you're not gonna get that nastiness of, of uh, scrambled eggs. Okay, let, let me talk a little bit about tempering because as I've been thinking about this, it's simple. There's a simple way for people to to understand this a little bit more. So yeah, the way the way they there's a, there's a a phrase that you cooked in the squat, which is actually in reference to cooking a frog. Actually, where what they do is they turn the temperature up very very slowly, yeah, and the water just slowly raises in temperature to the point the frog doesn't notice until it's, it's basically it could jump out of the water without any problem, but it gets hot slowly. So it goes so slow that they don't think to jump out before they're cooked. And that's, yeah. a, it's not a great analogy for custards, but it's the same idea. You want the temperature to go up so slowly that the eggs do not become cooked. Really? Yeah. They just get, they become warmed without being yeah. cooked. They really do cook, but they're not going to, you know, harden. Correct. And that's, that's the idea. Yeah. So they're, they are cooking partially because that's the only way to raise the temperature, but, yeah. <laughs> but you're not, you're not cooking them so quickly that they, yeah, you're not going so fast that they're a boiled egg and you're not going a little bit slower where they become a scrambled egg because in either case, do you want that flavor or that texture in your custards? No, it's just yucky. Yeah. It'll get gross. So that's actually, that's a really good point. You just want to go nice and slow and steady. Because if you go too fast, your frog is going to jump out and your eggs are going to harden. So, that's funny analogy, but I think it, but it made it clear to me. So that's kind of the idea. Yeah. No, I like it. I like that you brought that up because I wouldn't have thought of it that way, but it's, you're totally right. It's a very similar idea. This is thermodynamics fun. You think that if you heated up eggs, 
either way, they become stiff and scrambled. But no, if you do it slowly, they don't. Right. So that's that's fun. I just feel like science. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna add one last thing. We already talked about this a little bit, but a reminder to add in the vanilla when your mixture's in the ice bath so that it, all the flavor doesn't evaporate out while you're cooking it. So right, yeah, otherwise so, you'll, have, you'll have no vanilla flavor. Yeah, it, it'll just taste like milk and sugar, which is yummy, but not what you're going for. Right. So that's, yeah, that's the two custards I wanted to talk about today. Of course, there are a thousand other kinds of custards, but those were the two that I thought would pair best with our last episode. So, there you go. Go make yourself a pie. Go make yourself some French toast and tell me how it turns out. <laughs> Absolutely. So, the other thing that, so other custards, some other custards that just for that, for complete, we're not going to talk about them, but some other custards. You, you mentioned creme brulee as one. Yeah. Are there some other custards just off of the top of your head that you can think of that are probably prepared relatively similar, but not, but they have some, their own unique characteristics but so we can talk about a little uh a little bit about that i actually had a really good timing today because i just put my enchiladas in the oven um so i'm gonna sit down and actually focus on one thing now um okay so let me so creme brulee actually is a baked custard it's Correct. You you don't do the whole like tempering the eggs on the pan. You everything happens in the oven, which is fun. And I'm saying this so that I can use the other half of my brain to think about your question. Um, <laughs> so with oh, I actually yep. There's there's another one. Um, with a creme brulee, you're putting it in the oven in a in a water bath so that everything bakes very evenly. But if you get any of the water from the pan into the ramekins of custard, your custard's ruined, so that's right. fun. Um, yeah, but I did think of a couple other custards while I was explaining that, so that's how my brain works, you guys. <laughs> um, the first one I thought of was pumpkin pie, which you wouldn't think of as a custard, but it really is. It's another baked custard. Um, right. So you can, you can make a pumpkin pie and fill one of the crusts we talked about last time, <laughs> and that's a custard filling. Um, it's another baked custard. You put it in the oven. This one you don't use a nice bath because you've got a crust on it and that would ruin your crust. Or not a nice bath, a water bath. That's different. It's called a bain marie in French. You, you, yeah. Well, <laughs> the truth is if you put an ice bath in, in, this, in the oven, it would become a water bath. Yeah, but it would make it take a lot longer to bake <laughs> and probably ruin your product. <laughs> Depends on how soon you put the water bath in or the ice bath it's in. True. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was one that I thought of, and the other one that I thought of actually uses a bain-marie as well. It uses a water bath, um, and it's one that you might not think of because um, it's, I don't, I didn't think of it as a custard before this. I thought of it more as jello, but um, flan is a custard wow. that yep. you do in the oven. Um, and I didn't know that until mom was asking me, like, do you know how to make flan? Like, do you have any tips? And I was like, I don't know. And she read the recipe to me. And I was like, oh, that's just a custard. That's a, that is a self-saucing custard because it makes, like, the caramely stuff 
on the bottom that turns into the top. And it's, yeah, and you do it, you do it in the water bath, just like the creme brulee. Um, and it's yeah, one of my so favorite, one of my favorite desserts from Brazil is the flan. Yeah, I do like a flan. Flan is good. It doesn't look particularly yummy to me at least, but it tastes so good. It's so creamy and caramely. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. So those are the two I can think of off the top of my head. Of course, so, so there now, are thousands more. But. Now you give me all the secrets. Now I can actually go make my own flan. So I'll have to go. Yeah. That. Go do it. And ask mom. She's the one that's read the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> well, she could probably do it. I'm, I, I would just be playing around. So. <laughs> so that being said, um, what what are we going to be talking about next week? I don't know. You haven't thought that far in advance yet? I haven't thought that far through. But if we got some comments, I could probably wrestle up another cooking one. We can talk about the enchiladas I just made. We can talk about a lot of stuff. Unless people are getting bored of cooking. And then I can think of something else. Maybe so, we'll talk about the, uh, the anglerfish and their skeletal structure. Because we talk about whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so the idea, we're going to basically either look for comments and things that people are interested in or whatever tickles Andrea's fancy next week is basically what it comes down to. So, (laughs) custard sounded good to me. That actually made me me hungry for a really good custard right now. I want a creme brulee. I don't have a torch, so I'd have to do it in the oven, which isn't as fun. It's really fun to do it with a torch. (laughs) Much more fun to do it with a torch. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks for being here. And a reminder, for every listen that we get to this one and last week's, we will actually be donating monies to provide food for individuals that don't have it. And I haven't decided yet. We're going we're gonna to look at the, the options. We It may be helping them garden or something like that. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But I, by next week, we'll have a have a process or what's good, where, where it's going so that everybody can get food in some of these third world countries where they need more food. So Woo-hoo, I'm so excited. So anything else you'd like to tell to people before we t- jump off today? Nope. Just thanks for listening guys. We're glad to have you. This, this has been Andrea again, sharing some of her secrets of baking or actually in <laughs> this case, cooking custards, but I always enjoy these because I actually learn something usually. So yay. <laughs> okay. Thanks for being here. Bye. Thank you for listening to My Own Little Soapbox with Andrea Bean Gibson and Dr. Brandt Gibson. We'll be back next week with another discussion from Andrea's Soapbox. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know and share it with your friends, too. And if there's a subject you would like considered, please leave a comment so Andrea can discuss it in a future episode. My own little soapbox.